0: I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And together we host The Big Picture,
1: the Ringer's film podcast for new releases, career retrospectives, director interviews, movie drafts, top fives, and so much more.
0: Twice a week, we break down the latest releases, argue about whether movies are doomed, and debate our modern film canon.
1: Listen to The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Gold open question of the week, Kaz. What's up, shoes? Gonna keep it simple. Yes. How many American dollars would it take to let Kerm, producer Kerm, <laughs> dropkick you into a bed of nails?
1: Oh. Ah. Uh, American dollars. Okay. US dollars. I'm not that greedy. Like, I would settle for something in like the early four figures. <laughs> like, I'm not that nuts. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm like, oh, if you if you give me a stack to do it, I'll do it. But anything less than that, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I trust science that much to think it's not going to hurt as much as I think it's going to hurt. Right? Like... Yeah. Does Kerm factor into this? Like, what if Kerm was, like, brainwashed <laughs> into hating you? Oh, gosh. As long as... I, I don't mind laying on the bed of nails. It's, like, the compression onto it that yeah. is my problem. You feel me? So... I, I, I don't know. You gotta know, put girl. me over,
0: brother. Uh, you gotta <laughs> put me over.
1: I gotta make you look good too, man. And Kerm's a small guy. I'm like 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't know how much I'm be able to sell for Kerm. I've I've said that
0: talk to this before, but part of this is just is the is the dad accounting, right? Where it's like there's <laughs> when you're young, you're either gonna say a million dollars or like figure out how much a PlayStation costs, and that's right. the amount. You know, when you're when you get to our age, it's just sort of like, well, I can get a new roof. <laughs> okay, we're good. You know, no, like what's it. what's it? I can, I can, but I, I, I can, I'm like I can take care of all my garden. <laughs> yeah, like you kidding
1: me? Like I can cut some trees down. I can do some landscaping with that one thousand five hundred dollars. I'm gonna get, oh, from dude. This, I just man. took
0: some trees down. I gotta oh. tell you, that's that's money, man.
1: That's, Yo, it's that's... like giving your house a shape up. Like, cause yeah. I just did the same thing, right? Like, you know, that confidence you get right after you get a lineup at the shop. That's exactly what my house feels like after cutting down those trees. Well, I hope my house it.
0: feels good because I, I took the trees down, but they did not, they did not put me over. Oh, was wow. Wait, a, you, ex-
1: you took the trees down yourself? No, no,
0: no. I had them taken down, oh, but they, okay. they, it was an expensive endeavor. Um, uh, yeah, was. I came out looking worse for wear anyway. Would
1: you lay the bed of nails for it to be, to have it paid for, I guess is the question. <laughs> If I, well, I
0: didn't even get them all taken down. I guess if I could retroactively have paid for all of the trees in my yard, then you to get taken down for that bit of nails bump. I Oh, would do yeah.
1: It. There you go. Sad there to you say.
0: Go. Or maybe we're, maybe it's really re- life and reaffirming to say. Who knows? Hey, we're um, practical guys, man. We're practical we're, guys. We're, it's all practicality. Let's start the show. What's going on, jabronis? It's pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee.
1: This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks.
0: Hi, this is Lillian Garcia.
1: My name's Kevin Owens. I'm come Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles. The phenomenal one, if you will. And you're listening to... You're listening
0: to... And you're listening to... You are listening to... You are listening to The Masked Man Show. The
1: Masked Man Show. The Masked
0: Man, the Masked Man Show. The Masked, Masked, Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing this fine Thursday?
1: I'm doing good, shoes. I'm doing good. It's uh. It's a fun time in the wrestling right now. We're on the road to SummerSlam. Blood and guts is last night. It's a very polarizing time in wrestling. I love it. It's very, it's it's exciting and it's polarizing. Like, no, I think it's polarizing. Oh, I got I got a lot to talk about. Did you watch Dynamite last night? I watched Dynamite last night. Man, there was a listen, big blood and guts match. There was a it, big big blood and guts match, and there was also a dance battle. Which
0: oh, so, I mean, there's the two the two polar ends of the pro wrestling spectrum on there full you display. Go, it's a different right. sort of polarizing than I was expecting to get to. Yeah. But yes, uh, there was a there there was a lot of different things going on. There was even a there was even a women's squash match, which was not on my bingo card. Um, anyway, let's talk about the blood and guts match. Uh, it was the uh, obviously the the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Golden Elite. We got to see Kota Ibushi in the AEW ring. Um, We got to see the big return of Pac, um, who did not uh, play well with some of his teammates. Um, We got to see a bed of nails. We got to see thumbtacks. The thumbtacks at this point have gotten to the point where, well, I mean, so so many things in wrestling are just, I've said this a million times, so many of the weaponry in wrestling are just signifiers for damage, right? It's like, and we, we were joking about the steel chair shots last time or last week, whenever that was. Uh, but even like, you know, like, like the existence of the kendo stick in pro wrestling is basically just to be like this instead of a sword, right? right? I mean, it does hurt, but it makes a big noise. But the point, a kendo stick is a practice sword. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. Thumbtacks, despite their significant history and death matches of various sorts at this point are just like when guys are deliberately take bumping themselves into the thumbtacks just to just to amp themselves up. Yeah. takes a little bit of the glow off of it or shimmer, however you want to say it. Um, Dave, that, that, I think I'm
1: with you. I'm with you, man. It, it, no, could my fault. No, I, and, I, the, and,
0: the, and listen, the bed of nails, I thought it was super effective. Uh, I It might have been a little bit overused in the match, but the match is just so expansive. And you, to some extent, you can never tell what the camera is going to catch. I mean, there's like so many things going on at a the time. They did a pretty good job of like having everybody powder out in corners. I'm watching right now on replay the gif of Moxley drop kicking Omega into the upright bed of nails in the corner while while Claudio and assorted others are just sort of watching from a nearby corner. Um, but, I mean, it was an intense match. I think it lived up to all the hype. It was a lot of fun. The ending was a little bit of a mess. Uh, well, the, I guess it depends on your vantage point. The ending is a little bit of a mess when, once you realize that the end of the match was Moxley throwing in the towel on behalf of his teammate. Yeah, uh, I, I think the was,
1: camera missed that on in, in, initial, in the initial taping.
0: Yeah, and... Um, Uh, And, uh, but aside from that, I mean, and listen, the way that I was watching it was that he just sort of passed out and the ref call or the ref call, you know, it was just a general ref stoppage, which is not technically part of the blood and guts rule book. But, you know, in the moment felt totally plausible Uh, that it didn't feel like a downer at the time. Um, Obviously, we got Claudio and Pac for the Ring of Honor title at Death Before Dishonor coming up, um, coming spinning out of this match um what are the other big takeaways what 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 are we what are we walk away thinking here about what's going to come next for the participants
1: the the units in this match so i i understand the need for blood and guts right like it's their war games it's their ultimate blow-off feud match right like it's it's i guess aew's version of hell in a cell where you know once you have this match usually that means that's the end of this feud right And in that way, I can appreciate, you know, last night's match because it definitely signified, like, you know, they're going to start going their separate ways with this, uh, you know, Golden Elite or the Elite versus uh, Blackpool Combat Club storyline. But I ain't going to hold you, man. Like, it definitely got to a point while during the match, I was just like, this ain't as good as I thought it was going to (laughs) be, right? Like, I, I, I feel like, you know, I don't know whether it was, you know, Uh, Kota Ibushi, who, you know, for many, many times, I've only seen excellent stuff from him. And I ain't gonna lie, like, if that's my first time seeing him, and I'm, you know, not super hip to New Japan pro wrestling, or, you know, just wrestling outside of North America, I'm gonna be like, that's the guy I was hyped for? You know what I mean? Like, and... That's not to take away from, you know, what he did, but he just didn't look his best, right? And I think that kind of took it away from it from me. And I love violence. Trust me I love violence. Like, but a lot of the stuff, like you said, like just taking the bumps and the thumbtacks just to get yourself sort of hyped up and other stuff. Like, I love violence when it makes sense. I love violence when it's like an exclamation point on, like, a sentence that you're trying to write during the match, right? Like, make it mean something. And I just yeah. felt like, I, I I feel like I'm gonna sound like a hater, but, like, I definitely felt like th- there was times during the match where I was just like, they need to do all that. <laughs> like, they, they, this is going on a little long. Like, it just felt, you know, there was definitely moments that I thought were extremely enjoyable, and I'm never gonna, like, try and poo-poo on a match that is that physically taxing cuz lord knows I'll never fucking do it but i'm just saying from an entertainment standpoint I, at some point i was just like this is uh, this ain't as good as i thought it was going to be you I'll say, say like you, you say
0: you would never do it but what if we would repave your driveway and extran- <laughs> i'm just kidding um i i, I think that, that sort of letdown is sort of built into some of the stuff right i mean we we when when War Games made its comeback, we did a bunch of stuff on TheRinger.com about the history of War Games. Phil Schneider did a big deep dive, uh, ranking all the best War Games matches. I watched just about all of them. Uh, I think all of them when when he wrote that piece just to sort of be riding shotgun on it. And I mean, listen, they're really good matches. I, I think that what gets lost in some of these sometimes it's not just the war games influence it's also the hell in a cell influence i mean the 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 just the death match influence there, there's a there's a lot of, it's pushing it all together it's 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 mashing it all up when you have i mean listen if if Kota bushi came out had come out last week and cut a promo and said you know uh you know you might think one thing of me but I'm ready for this match. And he dumped a, p- a bunch of thumbtacks in the ring and back bumped himself right there. Right. That would have had a different sort right. of effect. Right. Okay. But there's the lit there's the literal visual issue of the cage, the lit like the 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 uh the staging issue of having so many people involved and the camera trying to get so many things at once. Yeah. That like it's just it doesn't have the clarity of the moment when all of these big things happen. Right. And you look back at those old war games matches the ones that were so effective and it's never about or almost never about uh, about something that is additive right it's not there's not oh there's this other weapon you know i mean and and there there was a you know dusty Rhodes won one where he had the the the, one of the road warriors like like you know leather cuffs little forearm cuffs or whatever Mm -hmm. that was the big weapon right i mean Mm -hmm. it was like but, but bringing in all this other stuff i don't think necessarily adds a bunch it just sort of confuses the point sometimes right. um what with so much stuff going on despite all the stuff that you know everything that we've seen we're so overloaded with with different kinds of matches and experience it's just like at some point you just want to see stiff punches to the forehead the bus guys open and you know drag it out and make it look i mean to you know make it long so it's physically taxing you know whatever i mean it looks it's it's the more that you put in there is not necessarily a net positive, but I'm not saying it's a net negative. It was a really fun match. It yes, was a lot. I mean, yeah. there's no no reason to hate on this. It was a it was a really really good time, and they managed to get a couple of spots in there that were just kind of shocking. Pac with the double stomp thing. Oh, I mean, that, there, that show there, was fire! Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was so much cool stuff, um, and it was cool to see Kota Ibushi in the ring. I agree. I agree with you. He wasn't at his best, but like he was in a really tough spot, man has been yeah. working for a while. Uh lives in in the vast majority of even AEW fans' imaginations as just this sort of mythical beast, you know, right. that who exists only in like highlight gifts and stuff, right. you know, and just like the metaphorical cosign of the greatest wrestler alive, Kenny Omega. I mean, it's it's um, you know, he was in a weird spot. It's a it's a in some ways it was a good way to sort of debut him. Um, but You know, this was never going to be his platform for reminding us all how great he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I guess that's, I guess that's, you know, my fault, right? Like, I I guess because you're right, he gets the cosign from, you know, the best wrestler in the world, uh, in many people's opinion, Kenny Omega. So, and it's not like a cosign that comes without merit. Like we've seen him be like extremely awesome in all sorts of uh, professional wrestling matches, not just the technical masterpieces. Even, like, the cartoony, you know, animated super violent shit has been really good. Even the murder of Bushi stuff has been really good. But, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, the rarity of, like, a 10-person tag team match and cameras being able to catch specific moments so they mean more, right? And they definitely got a lot of those stuff a lot of that stuff in, but I think the reason why the match um I took a little bit of less away from the match than I thought I was gonna get was because you didn't really nail the ending and it and it kinda messed it kinda, it kinda it kinda takes away when you don't nail the ending like that, man. And if and if you're not telling a physical story that leads to like something as you know, pivotal as John Moxley throwing in the towel for his young boy while he's getting literally lynched <laughs> in one of these rings. Like, if you're telling a good physical story and not just doing stuff that's violent, um, that means more. So, uh, again, I'm not hating on the match. I'm not saying it was whack by any means. It's definitely not a net negative. Uh, but yeah, I, I will say that those parts sort of took it away, Took took something away from me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say this. The, the I mean, the, I don't know. I don't shit me saying. It, I will say this. I love this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Takeshita walkout, I thought, was uh, in terms of spinning us forward, was incredibly interesting. We obviously had the Park walkout too. His mm-hmm. his his thing with Claudio as mentioned um, is already inked for their big Ring of Honor title match, mm-hmm. um, and that you know sets the stage for really compelling or really sorry logical ending, right? I mean, you you're you're at a severe disadvantage all of a sudden. And, yeah. uh, and um, so I don't know. What do you think? Are we getting a to versus BCC bit out of this? Or is it, or is he just going to go over and do his own thing?
1: I think he's going to go over and do his own thing. I, I, I think, you know, you have a blood and guts match to, uh, like I said, uh, blow off a feud. So, um, I don't know I'd like to see uh Takesh to, uh do things outside of uh these group of people just so I could see his dynamic with uh what's the guy Don callis and just kind of see how you know they're you know they've built this sort of Don Callis maybe faction that he's starting mm-hmm. to sprinkle in with Jericho as well so um if I was forecasting it I think we'd we'd you know, just get away from the whole BCC thing and not necessarily feud with them, but you know, just get them on a different direction, um, just to see where where this ends up going. Maybe this, maybe this stable that Don Callis is putting together eventually meets up with the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, but uh, I, I think Jericho's okay. gonna favor into that too, and 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 I think we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Well, he well, let's we'll circle back around to, the, to to blood and guts, but he. Jericho obviously made an appearance at the end of the uh, tag team eliminator tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, His guys, the Jericho Appreciation Society representatives, Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia, lost to Adam Cole and MJF. More on whom later. And Jericho came out on the platform to sort of pat him on the back after a match, a hard fought match, and got and he got snubbed. Um, Then Jericho did the thing where he acts really hard. And act and you know, took off his sunglasses and looked perplexed by the whole turn of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I've been really been enjoying Callus, uh, in this role for the past month or two, and you know, it could be interesting to see where this goes. You know, I it would be f- interesting. I mean, I think we saw a lot of interesting turns being set up, right? I mean, Jericho going into a new role is always a thing to point at. and, and potentially celebrate mm-hmm. um same obviously with Callas and and Takeshita by proxy uh I even think with John Moxley who we don't talk about enough on the show despite him being the sign off every week <laughs> had you know was probably the MVP of that match and then him tapping for his teammate yeah is not a conventional John Moxley move yeah you know you would think he would go like you know punch yuda in the face to try to get him to you know to keep yeah, him going well, or something, he seemed you know? like a very
1: die on his own sword sort of person you know
0: yeah so maybe this is a new look for moxley you know i mean Dan- danielson brian danielson their erstwhile bcc teammate uh got surgery on his arm got some screws and a i don't know a robotic implant i forget i don't have the details in front of me uh he's officially the six million dollar man now and uh and you know he'll probably be on the shelf for a while. I guess he can come back to TV. But as it stands, the Blackpool Combat Club is pretty short And while it might make sense for them to go their separate ways, um, we've got a, a new, you know, layer to Moxley potentially that could really pay off and do something cool. I mean, it's it, he and and uh, and Hangman are always just sort of, when they're not working singles matches in the main event, always just sort of make up the connective tissue of whatever they're doing, you know? They're sort of the background paint for AEW a lot of the time. Both of them had really solid matches. I would have liked to see a little bit more out of all of them. But Hangman's in a really weird spot, too, where it's like his only story is, like, whether how committed he is to doing whatever he's doing at the time, and there's sort of more interesting interpersonal relationships going on all around him. Right. So, you know, with the, with the Bushi in there and everything else, it's just, you know, he, I'm not quite sure he had a lot of room to maneuver in terms of in match storytelling. Again, there's a bunch of other dudes in the ring. So, you know, how how much can you really do? But he had a great match. Both those guys had great, both, both hangman and Mox had great matches, had had a great match. and, And, uh, you know, hats off to
1: all the hats off to everybody in that
0: match, man. What a yeah, joy yeah. that was! No, to it was watch. a
1: fire match. It was definitely a fire match. I just, uh, I, I don't get me wrong, love the match. I just feel like there were definitely some beats that would have like shot it into like instant classic status for me. Yeah bigger nails. Just, yeah, bigger more spread out <laughs> nails, you know what I mean? Like let's really rip some skin off of people. You feel No, nah, I'm just completely joking. No, I, I, all my all of my gripes are storyline based basically. That's all it is. The, nothing yeah. takes away from the, you know, the fucking awesome ass match it truly was. It's true. Uh what are we going to see next from Abushi? Um uh, man, I mean Do you think they start telling that story of him and Kenny Omega? Like, what? Uh, I I don't know. Did he, did did they, is he officially signed to AEW? Is this a one-off? Like, I'm not necessarily sure. I don't think so.
0: I think this is a one-off. I think this is, as far as we know, this is a one-off. And the way that they, who knows? I mean, there have definitely been instances like this before where, I mean, many of them where Tony Khan was, you know, a million miles ahead of us. Mm Mm-hmm. But the presentation did seem a little bit like a one off, you know, uh, they made a really big deal of him, but like not a lot of a big deal about what it could mean. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, we I guess well, we'll what, have to was, tune what in. was the
1: issue? Why uh, was there wasn't there like a contract dispute in New Japan or something like that? Why he's not he's there under he, he
0: is apparently the last thing I read was that he was in negotiations with New Japan. I mean, he's okay. had some injuries, you know, he had to take some time off. OK, Um and I think just wanted to take some time off. I think I said the last time that he was on some sort of walkabout, you know, I mean, there was, there was talk of him becoming a trainer, starting up a school. There was obviously some WWE talk, um, as there always is, um, just when someone's that level on that level, on that tier of performer and is a free agent. Um, but his split, his, his, his departure, his last departure from new Japan was a little bit, seemed a little bit, uh, like there were some issues anyway. Um, we'll see. Obviously, whatever he does next is going to be a big deal. And if he hangs around, um, that could be a huge thing for AEW. I mean, to be able to tell the the Omega storyline within AEW would be massive for them. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We talked about the tag team match. Your new, your, the winners of the uh, tag team turmoil, whatever it's called, tournament, are MJF and Adam Cole. You said you started off the show talking about how that there was dancing to begin the match. Um, I'm interested to know your take on the on the Sammy Garcia semi coordinated dance to start the to start the match. Was it was it perfectly flawed
1: or under or undercooked? Listen, Sammy Guevara's lack of rhythm for someone. <laughs> Who is of Latin descent is is alarming to me, I must say. Like, first off, you know. Latin descent to, for,
0: for, for somebody for whom timing is his career. That right? is your
1: career, brother. You can't hit the electric slide. Like the electric slide, like it's it's a it's the most simple line dance there is. You can do it with literally hundreds of thousands of people. It's two to the left, two to the right, two to the back, one forward, one back, turn to your right. Two to the right, two to the left. It's the same thing over and over. Were you on the dance floor uh, during Rosenberg's wedding when they did the electric slide? I'm pretty sure MJF was on there too. And MJF hits a pretty, you know, I don't know if I caught most of it, but I think at one time it hit the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh shit, MJF. And the electric slide. The simplest group dance there is. So no, I Mm -hmm. I felt, I definitely felt that uh, Sammy could have did a little better there. Daniel Garcia obviously the the dance is over the hip thrust to like the, the drill record, which is his entrance music that comes out to over as hell. Love the hip thrust. Uh, I- Adam Cole pulled off something very sneaky. Right. I've seen Adam Cole dance at Wally Mania. He does not dance like that. OK, <laughs> like he actually has a modicum. Oh, he has moves. He has moves. He def- I can confirm. Anybody who was at Wally Mania, either backstage or, you know, when he came on stage with Britt Breaker, can confirm Adam Cole does know how to move his hips in a way that doesn't embarrass his race, which is nice. And so as far as the dancing is concerned, uh, I-, I have to almost give more points to Adam Cole for even conveying a lack of rhythm. You know what I mean? It's 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 definitely mm-hmm. being very self aware to be the lack of rhythm white guy when I know truthfully, the man can move his hips if you if you get him in the right situation. <laughs> but I love the dance off. I thought it was so funny. I thought it was hilarious. Well, as someone
0: who dances more thing. like Adam Cole, pretended to be uh, dancing. <laughs> uh, I respect that he came down to my level. Yes, I might have been on the dance floor Rosenberg's wedding, but I didn't see anybody else. I'm uh, I look at my wife and I stay in my zone because otherwise the the anxiety overtakes me. There Um, there you go, there you go. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the dancing was fun. Uh, MJF and Adam Cole with the double clothesline, I think, was the high point of the match for me. Um, MJF is uh. A lot of times you see these guys that do in, these wrestlers now. They give interviews about you know kind of wrestling theory, and then you don't really know how it applies, and it doesn't necessarily apply. They're maybe just sort of like saying some stuff, and then they get in the swing of things, and it's just just muscle memory or whatever. But MJF's the guy that talks about that has talked publicly about you know going working smart, working working smart to to uh, keep his body, you know intact for a longer period of time, not going super high spot, super hardcore, super whatever. In a couple of weeks he's made a bigger deal out of a body slam and a double clothesline than I mean both of the, both of those moves meant more I shudder to say than anything in the blood and guts match. Any one spot in the blood and guts Fart match away. and that's,
1: Far and that's, and away, you going not be more not right.
0: taking anything away from the guys in the in the and guts. It's just saying MJF is doing is practicing what he preaches, and it's uh, the most and, and basic wrestling
1: psychology, which is why any of the moves matter. Like it's why anything in sports matters. If you don't put reasons behind it, you could do a double, quadruple, her and Karana power bomb in a match, but if there's no reason why it's being done, it's always going to mean less than. What was it? A a headlock takeover, a double clothesline, a body slam, like shit like that. And that's, you know, to me, again, people enjoy pro wrestling for different reasons. To me, that is what makes a very good pro wrestler. When you can tell the stories behind why these moves matter. That's the whole point of the suspension of disbelief. Into not into the difference between this being a sport and this being a form of entertainment. It's all the stuff that goes into the sport aspect of it, which is simple ass moves like a double clothesline. It's not about clearly, it's not about a double clothesline and the strength and what it takes to knock somebody over. Right, the double clothesline is a metaphor for friendship and being and and the trust that Adam Cole and MJF have grown to have over each other throughout the last several weeks of course it's not about how strong a damn double clothesline is it's because these two guys who were probably going to be at each other's throats have now become best of friends and that literal hand holding and running somebody over is the power of their friendship beating a, another team people that don't get that don't i mean listen you can enjoy wrestling for why you enjoy it but shit like that is why i'm like ah that is fucking entertaining. That is why you watch the damn show. Shit like that. It's great. It really is. And as far as these, like, you know,
0: post-victory stare-downs with the champ, seg- yeah. you know, bits go, the segment's not even the right term. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. When they were looking at FTR, I was just, I was there. I was yeah. there. <laughs> I'm yeah. excited about this match. Um, and FTR, you know, uh, for all of the sort of, uh uh drama that surrounds them sometimes outside of the ring inside Mm -hmm. of the ring follows them in you know all the real world stuff that comes into play a lot of their big matches are just sort of you know grudge matches matches for the sake of matches you know and now and and to see them sort of mouthing off in the ring to have this storyline that gets people there i'm excited to see ftr kind of get sucked into the vortex of MJF and Adam Cole. You know, to sort of like... They're going to be forced
1: into storytelling. Yeah. They're going to be forced Um, into... Which was good. I think when he came out, when he said, play the champ, he looked in the camera and says, you play the champ's music next time, Tony. Like, don't play their shit. And I think Cash said, you had double clothes on my ass on the way out. Like, it was the first time things felt kind of personal with them. I think they got the history with MJF over there. Obviously, they want to defend their tag team titles, but, you know, there's a lot of story heading into that match. So it's really interesting, and I honestly can't call it at this point. Like, I, I know they had the stare down afterwards and the holding of the title, and but it wouldn't shock me if they went over. It wouldn't shock me if they were tag team champions for a hot little second, uh, MJF and Adam Cole. And it also wouldn't shock me if FTR beats them soundly And that leads to the eventual breakup of these two. That's how good this storyline has been, as quickly as it's it's become. It wouldn't shock me either way, which how they lean. And uh, that's what makes me look forward to it. It's going to be good.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I just, I I think it'll be a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I could just about guarantee it. Um, What else spilling out of, is there anything else from Dynamite that we, I mean, that we, that we didn't discuss? Oh, by the way, I just pulled this up. Very interesting storyline. This is from uh, Wrestling Inc. Um. Oh, during the post show, during a post show promo, Omega uh, said that he he says one thing I do expect is that I will see Abushi again here in an AEW ring. Okay, which is good, but it's also very vague. And then, but then the second part of this was very strange. And as long as I am an active performer in professional wrestling. I'm gonna go wherever these guys go," he said, referring to the young bucks. Hmm. Which is um. Hmm, that's peculiar. If you put those two things as a together, if you take them as a whole, you would say me and the young bucks are staying in AEW, and that's why this is where you'll see Kota Ibushi. I guess you could read it. You could also just take them separately and say, "Yeah, I think Ibushi will be back." And by the way, in the future, who knows where we're gonna go? But the but the three of us, the the, the core elite, will stay together.
1: Um. uh I that don't know. is interesting. I don't. Know, I don't know what to make of that. That's that's very interesting. I mean, do you do you believe that there's? I don't know what Kenny or the Bucks contract situation is, but you you've well, gotta believe they're they're, they're
0: apparently coming to it in later this year. I guess oh. if you put it on the calendar, it's what do they? What, what did all the AW contracts run through November or something? Or maybe it was earlier than that. But regardless, um. They they're apparently negotiating new deals as we speak, uh, mm. but yeah, that's that interesting is interesting. One. That is interesting. I mean, can you imagine... imagine the world
1: where they would leave? What? Can you imagine the world in, when they would in, in, in which they would leave? I mean, there sure. was definitely there was interest. There was definitely interest uh, before AEW launched in the Bucks and Kenny. And I, I know for a fact that there were negotiations uh, with with Kenny and the Bucks and. Maybe one would think after the success of what Cody is having right now, there'd be you would think that WWE would try to dip their toe in that in that pool one more time and you know take some of their big stars and see what if they can make them an offer that they can't refuse. Yeah. Who knows, man? That's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, I think I don't think they'd leave though.
0: I don't think they're gonna leave. I could just, but I could imagine a world in which they did. I don't know. Kenny's thirty nine, though. He goes to WWE. They might try to make him a manager, like LA Knight. (laughs) (laughs) There would be nothing better. How old Matt's? um, Matt's thirty eight. Nick is thirty. Some 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 number of years younger. Thirty three, I think. Uh, They
1: can't do this forever, man.
0: There would be nothing more just better to explode the IWC to explore explode the wrestling internet than if like Triple H signed them to giant contracts and then Vince somehow just stomped in and it was just like turn them all into managers and call them all <laughs> like, let's pretend they're all Johnny Flamingo's kids let's just give, oh, call God. them all something Flamingo um, yeah no I mean I, yeah you could imagine a world I mean Kenny Omega could walk right in and you know just do giant matches four or five yeah. times a year and that'd be great
1: if he could get a, I don't think they put him on a on a on a every road schedule. Maybe they would, but I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much money is important to those type of dudes. Because I think if it comes just to principles, it, it, it feels like they are very much AEW, um, even more so than Cody was at one point. Mm-hmm. So I, I I personally can't imagine a world where they would leave. But I I just gotta think, man. Like it's hard to imagine a world in which they're gonna leave. Money like, talks, in- man. No, it does. I mean, I'm
0: sure there's money. There'll there'll be money for them wherever they go Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, or whatever they end up doing. Um, And a lot of this could just be negotiating to get to that dollar, to get to whatever, you know, highest dollar figure is available. Um, But I, uh, yeah, it's just hard to imagine them leaving after you put yourself through what all these guys just put themselves through, right? Right, right. It's just like, you know, if you were leaving your job, if I was leaving my job, I might not it might start <laughs> dipping out on some of the more arduous things in the you know in the lead up to my departure. You know, just like eh, maybe we don't need to have the bed of nails. You know, I'm not. I don't know who I'm trying to
1: impress here. Right. You know, I'm
0: not, um, or
1: or unless unless you knew where you were going next time, you can't have beds and nails. You're not going to be able to do all this stuff. So I was like, am I might. <laughs> you supposed think they're trying to get, trying to get the out? bed of nails out of their <laughs> system before they leave? I don't know how wrestlers think, man. I mean, I wouldn't maybe Moxley. I can see Mox doing that.
0: Yeah, like if Mox ever went <laughs> back to the Evil Empire, he would. I could. I could see a world in which he like had a carve out in his contract mm. where it's like he can't work any other wrestling shows, but he can go jump on barbed wire in his backyard, oh, yeah. and they can't complain about it. You know, oh, like yeah. you can't bleed on TV, but if you want to come backstage and cut your forehead with a piece of glass, we'll let you do that. Um, but yeah, no, I I can't imagine. Omega is trying to get the nails out of his system. Maybe, maybe he's that kind of guy. I think most people
1: would just leave the nails alone. Speaking of going back to the evil empire, right? I always, I, I'm just, I, if you can't tell, I'm just literally playing devil's advocate all day today. Um, if there's, a, if there's a world where Moxley uh, goes back, right, and I think he's been the most on the record in saying he'd never go back to WWE or whatever. You don't think he's kind of the most likely since he's probably, I think him and Jericho are like the the, the surefire WWE Hall of Famers on, on AEW's roster when it's like, hell yeah. like We're, we're going to bring you back. We're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. We're doing this whole Shield reunion tour. It's going to do like every stadium in the country or something like that. Like, I don't know. Like I just feel like, I feel like folks like that People that have a whole lot of mileage on their bodies. Um I just can see worlds when they when they would eventually, you know, want that last little swan song before they can't do it like they want to do it anymore. I don't know, man. It's just money money speaks a lot to certain people. And not even money. Like maybe there's other things that they'd wanna I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just bullshitting here. I I feel like there's a world I think I think Ambrose slash Moxley.
0: Yeah. I think he go there said, at least one I don't remember, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian or Kerm, if you want to jump on with a fact check. I think he said in the past something that, uh, pretty compellingly that he would never go back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and he's the sort of dude, it seems like the sort of dude you believe uh, in a way that you don't necessarily believe everybody else who would say such a thing. Yeah, I feel
1: like but, he's, I feel like they're all kind of like not as romantic about the S.H.I.E.L.D. Than like the fans are. No. Right? <laughs> like,
0: are like, the fans you hear, like, even romantic about it anymore? I mean, I think nah, that I think that I when, think so. when 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 uh, Rollins had the match with the Reigns and he came out in the Shield through the crowd and the Shield attire, I think that that sort of like quenched our thirst exactly enough. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like a little moment, but I think that was that put it in perspective where it's like this is a little thrill. This is yeah. like the best case scenario is not going to be some huge. Oh my God! I can't wait for the Shield DVD. <laughs> I know the kids even watch DVD. Do they even know what that right. means when I say DVD, but like, I don't it, think there's any juice to squeeze out the shield. Reunion. No, again. no I mean, yes, of course, if you want to tell the story, all you need is a thread, right? Cody Rhodes took a thread and turned that into a world championship match. And is we're still talking about him fighting Roman again next year, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously his dad's career is more than a thread, but the, Drive for that title and everything else. Finish you know, I the mean, story. That's right. Good. They, 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 they. It did. That didn't have to be a big as big a deal as it was. Okay. Yeah, all you need is that little point of connection, and you can you can turn Rollins versus Reigns versus Moxley into a three way match. or into a main event at WrestleMania. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. But you know, if the third member of the Shield were somebody that we didn't care about, I don't think just the Shield itself is going to carry you. Um. But sure. I mean, Moxley said he would never come back. I think uh and and uh but i you know i can see him coming back not just for the not not strictly because the hall of fame thing i mean i think it's more of a question of well we can this we can use this as a pivot wwe's creative i mean wwe's hot as heck right now uh there's you know obviously been stories about this but melcher's been talking about how it's it's, it's, uh, the, you know, the numbers are bigger than they've ever been. I think Cody Rhodes said in an interview that this is bigger than the Attitude Era or something like that. Uh, we'll get to that. But a lot of that has to do with the new creative that's in charge and Triple H's, you know, regime and blah, blah, blah. And I think if, given some time, I don't think that you, I think that anyone who ever said they weren't going to come back to WWE. Uh, those comments kind of go out the window, right? I mean, if you yeah. can look at the company and say it's different than when I left, it's different than when I made those comments, and I have faith that it will be a different place to work, then of course you can do, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, I feel like anybody who said something along the lines of I'd never go to WWE such as yourself, means, no. like, like me, uh, are are people that said I would never go back to that WWE. Like, it's definitely different now. And I think... You know the the story that was, uh, I guess, went viral yesterday with, with Cody Rhodes tweeting it on Bleacher Report, and I guess you guys talked about it on Wednesday Worldwide. Was four reasons why right now is is hotter than the Attitude ever ever was, right? And I guess you can always. You know, much like a Jordan and LeBron argument, you can always make arguments for the times being different and just reasons why certain things that were groundbreaking will never reach the same level as something that's presently happening and is a product of that groundbreaking moment, which is like Jordan and LeBron and the attitude that we're in now, right? I feel like even the fact that it's even a conversation— quality wise money wise numbers wise you know visibility I don't think that's a that's something you can argue you can you could talk about what meant more if like you know a kid was wearing you know n w o shirts are everywhere and austin three sixteen shirts were everywhere and six million views every week and beating the n f l using you know uh rating systems that aren't as accurate as far as what your popularity is anymore. It's the same sort of argument, right? But I think you can't argue numbers. You can't argue just that they're doing stadiums like four or five or six or seven times a year now, whereas stadium shows used to be WrestleMania. <laughs> and, and maybe if they go overseas or something like that. Like the fact that, you know, the house shows are doing the numbers that they're doing and, you know, just the cut and, you know, Triple H, the guy who had a lot to do with the success of most of the people um, who left wwe but like in their nxt days when a lot of folks we like and enjoy right now first saw a lot of them in america you gotta believe eventually they'll definitely think about it twice, (laughs) you know? Like, I don't think we're so married to the fact that folks are just going to stay forever. And and there's got to be another Cody situation, right? Like, it's worked too well for them to not say, well, let's see if we could strike lightning twice and go get somebody else from AEW. That is a big deal, you know what I mean? Like, it's the Cody shit has worked too well for them to not think that, or for any AEW wrestler to think that they'll just never go. You know, just never go back. I'm like, you yeah, come on, son.
0: What you well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a separate thing. But to talk about the, whether is this the hottest the wrestling's been since the Attitude Era? Maybe. I mean, since if you want to say since the Attitude Era, it's not
1: bigger than it's the definitely Attitude Era. since. It's definitely. Uh, uh. You're well, saying why Jordan? Is it, why LeBron. is it not bigger?
0: Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, you said it's that we're even having this conversation. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's not it's not the Jordan and LeBron conversation, dude. And people had the conversation about you know Jordan and Isaiah Ryder. You know, I mean, no, they had the conversation. but not to the level. But the, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, saying, you could ask the question: Is this the next Michael Jordan? Is this a, is this guy? Is this going to be the next Michael Jordan? <laughs> no,
1: I just think the argument itself they're both generational arguments. So like Jordan, I per, me personally, again, just how I feel. I feel like folks will have such a uh, that just feels so strongly about Jordan's goat status, without acknowledging that stuff evolves and things get better. will always have a problem with LeBron even being in the conversation with Jordan, and I feel like that's the same thing when it talks about the attitude era and now, right? Like I feel like people have such a romantic you know, nostalgic, uh, just mm-hmm. attachment to things. And 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 that's with everybody. That's with music you like. That's with food you ate. Like, stuff that you ate and, and you did when you were 13 years old, 14 years old is always going to feel iller than when you were 33 or 43. You know, it's just human yeah, it's true.
0: I mean, Triple H told me the story. He's told it before too that like, you know, he was just out at the mall one time mm-hmm. and then you know, just to pick some stuff up. And all of a sudden he turned around and there were like mobs of people following him. And that's how he knew that the attitude era was a thing. Right. Yeah. Because he, obviously the arenas, the, the house attendance was getting bigger and you know, it, ratings were going up, but it was that that's the mainstream crossover that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Right. Okay. And okay. I don't know, but I mean, we're is in a different world though. in the sense that like, I don't yeah. think Roman Reigns is, and Cody Rhodes are going to the mall. Uh, uh, I mean, right. I don't know who's going to the mall. I go to the mall. You know, I go.
1: To, I, I love the fucking mall. Well, I, we both I, live I, in New
0: Jersey, the mall capital of the world, and that's <laughs> you, you know, it's it's a thing to do. Yeah, but uh, is Cody Rhodes getting swarmed by mobs when he goes to Jamba Juice or you know the the Banana Republic outlet? Like, is I, he, think is, is I, I think fame
1: is different. I think fame is different now, though. Like, does does anybody get swarmed going to Jamba Juice unless you're like? Beyonce or some shit. And do you think Beyonce mm-hmm. is, is that Jamba Juice? Like fame is just different. I feel like the internet, social <laughs> media, uh, just the, the level of 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 proximity that you can get to fame now, like is just different. So, like when people are like, oh man, people weren't wearing t-shirts to school and getting in detention. Well, it's a different world. Like, there's different ways of showing you're a fan true. of professional That's wrestling. True. Than wearing a t-shirt. Like, same thing with Triple H saying he went to the mall and people followed him. First off, people don't go to the mall no more. Like, but I bet you if there was no Amazon and there was no, you know, super efficient ways to get stuff for goods, and Triple H just happened to want to go and get a pair of boots in a shopping center, I'm sure thousands of people would recognize him and probably be like, holy shit. What do you think Triple H H was was getting at the mall? (laughs) Uh you gotta, he had to be getting first off. I don't know what clothes he was getting, but he probably either got an Auntie Ann's pretzel or that that saku Japan, like the teriyaki sample joints that they give you. Oh, at the yeah, oh, mm-hmm. uh, bussing every single time. Um, but nah, that, that undefeated mall cuisine right there between both of those franchises. Uh, probably, I mean, you of think of him product. going to the shops,
0: you think you think of him going, Oh, wait, he said a pair of jeans, is that what he said? <laughs> no. Right. Yeah, Some you dungarees. think of are going to all the different shops, but but in reality, if you're Triple H, you're probably going to the department store, right? Because that's where you right. can get a pair of, like, Levi's or Lee's that are, like, 36
1: Facts. parachute
0: pants cut, you know, Facts. like, big enough for the
1: muscles. Back but, yo, then, even, but even then, right, like, I'm, like you said, you're a Jersey guy. I'm a Jersey guy. I'll still go to the mall sometimes. I'll go to... Uh, I won't buy shit, but I'll walk through a Bloomingdale's or something, or walk yeah, through a course. Nordstrom, and I'll walk through. And and sometimes you'll you'll see people that are famous, like very fucking famous. And you know, just you're when in you're North in- Jersey. We have less fame down here. But go on. <laughs> it's, it's it's mainly sports people, but like you know, folks that are extremely famous. But you know how to carry yourself when you're going when 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 you're in that sort of story. You're not gonna be like, oh shit, it's fucking Kalani or some sure some famous person or whatever like you don't you just don't do that when you're at that type of store anyway but i just believe i just believe it's just an argument about comparing errors right like that's why that's, i compare it to Okay that's
0: fine but i, but I don't want to get to i want to i want to talk about Triple H going to the mall for one more second Okay <laughs> we should have an event we should have a, a game okay. where we have a scavenger hunt we each go to a different new jersey mall or maybe we do it together uh-huh. Get Kerm and Brian down here. And then <laughs> we try to find... We have like a Triple H checklist. You got to find whatever <laughs> kind of genes... You got to find a skin tight black t-shirt. You got to find yeah. a fanny pack. You got to find a leather, uh, a leather boy hat that you can wear backwards, you oh, know, and, uh, oh, yeah. some sunglasses. <laughs> you, mean you, get... you mean a Kangle? You huh? mean a Kangle hat? It was a yeah. Kangle style hat. I don't know if it was oh, a Kangle brand hat. I don't we, know call, it... we call it Kangle.
1: I know Kangle makes the brand, but like like Chapstick, like they're all just Kangles to me. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> so a leather yeah. Kangle hat
0: worn yeah. backwards.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, we got to just get the whole outfit down. And then we'll... Uh, what kind of shoes was he wearing back then? He wasn't wearing sneakers. Nothing was he wearing, wearing just, sneakers.
1: Was he wearing leather shoes? Uh, I feel like gosh. it. Gosh. He might have he just had That's wrestling boots under his jeans. Some 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 bees or whatever. What are they called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are those? What I don't else, know. We'll uh, have to figure
0: this out. We'll do the Triple H outfit checklist. And then we'll try to go to the mall. And... <laughs> And get it. Maybe we should get some celebrities to do it. If we if maybe, Do we maybe. know anybody famous to see if they get surrounded by a mob before they get done. Anyways, um, you were talking about yes. You're talking it's comparing eras. Mm-hmm. Well, I also want to talk about the Jamba Juice thing. If Beyonce wants a Jamba Juice, Jamba right. Juice comes to Beyonce, right? If right. If, if Beyonce decides that I want a Jamba Juice today, then there will be a Jamba Juice pop up shop in her kitchen in 30 minutes, right? If if Roman Reigns decides he wants a jamba juice, Paul Heyman or someone else around him will procure him a jamba juice. Yes.
1: But also Beyonce Wait. levels of fame are different. If Beyonce is at a jamba juice, someone's taking a picture and be like, Holy shit, Beyonce like Beyonce. I mean, she would never go. She would never have to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Like the she lives a different level of, of fame, which I think Attitude. I would never even touched anyway. So it's it's a moot conversation. Yeah. But those type of people are so famous. Them just walking into a Jamba Juice does like a year's worth of marketing for Jamba Juice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just by getting there, and they know that they're they know they know what they're worth. I, I think now more than ever, celebrities or anybody with any level of fame knows their worth. So they know, hey, like I'm not I'm not gonna go and just walk into a Jamba Juice because they know they're gonna. Make a, a zillion bucks off of me, or something and like that. You say the name out loud, or else yeah. you know that before they get paid. It's true. You got you to gotta rip off the damn label of something that you're drinking, or else they're going to be like, holy Why shit.
0: Why doesn't WWE have a sponsorship with Jamba Juice or one of these smoothie places? Like, you'd think that, like, wrestlers drinking, you know, wheatgrass and protein powder smoothies would be a mm. big
1: crossover you would think you would think i mean and protein is, is
0: <laughs> uh but <laughs> is awesome. are we is this the biggest time since the attitude era i think maybe we'll we'll look back and maybe say yes um yeah. but uh Melcher points out that you know the ratings are obviously down but they're beating all the other cable shows which is something they never really did even during the attitude era you right. know they weren't beating they they were drawing crazy ratings but there's always bigger stuff uh can, yeah. or, you know usually bigger stuff um i don't know man Maybe it's just denial after all this, after all, uh, just, you know, looking for the next bright, shining star so many times. And mm-hmm. I don't mean a star wrestler. I mean, just like looking for the next big thing, the next moment in time. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you could
1: really only, coming. we could only see it in, in, in the past tense. Like, we won't know until like two, three, four years from now when the crowds aren't as big or TV isn't as high or like people aren't on uh, the roster anymore or just Whatever, like we won't know how good it is now until a few years down the line. Like you, you could, you could see the most minute times of of WWE history in times where I've watched very closely, and like now you'll 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 scour the internet and you'd be like, oh man. Smackdown with with Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles and Baron Corbin. This was prime SmackDown right here. I'm like, oh really? Because that's not why y'all was saying when when it was happening. So I think we'll never really be able to answer this question until this era. Until we can it's look over. back at this era. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um you think we're I mean the contract deals, the deals they have with the networks are obviously going to come up in the not too distant future. And all this sort of plays into that conversation, right? Um, A lot of realignment going on in the media world. Uh, Disney's talking about just selling everything, all their networks off and stuff like that. I mean, who knows, but um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. I still think that like, despite the fact that the rating, they're beating more shows, you know, even with the lower ratings, all the stuff I was just saying, I still think there's a network television component to this. Obviously, Friday Night SmackDown is a big deal on Fox, but and to, the, to me, the Attitude Era was like, this isn't network, but like the Super Bowl halftime show, uh, you know, just like big... Like until like NBC or Fox calls and says we need something we like you're doing so well. Can you just do a thing on Wednesday, like a 30 minute show just to lead into this other thing we're doing? Like that's the sign.
1: Right. Well, yeah. But that's the thing, though. You mentioned the Super Bowl as an example, like the Rock opened the Super Bowl in Los Angeles last year. Like, does that count? Like really? John, you're talking about networks needing people to do stuff. Like John Cena was the host of the Today Show for like a long ass time. Like does that mm-hmm. count? Like uh, obviously, yes. The Attitude Era and even you know Cena's era, um, the PG era, or whatever, broke open doors to to even set up what's happening right now. Like these billion dollar deals, the, the the record attendance, all the numbers, all that type of stuff, are definitely on the backs of guys like Cena and Austin and Rock and and. All those guys, obviously, but it's just different now, right? Like, I just feel like stuff that I would have marked out for as a nine-year-old are very much commonplace now. And it's not even yeah. with their top guys. It's not even, and no disrespect to, you know, uh, people that have done stuff outside of WWE, Um but you know, when I was young, like maybe you see Bret Hart on The Simpsons or, or Regis and Kathy Lee. Like maybe you see the, the No, the but you would see Saturday them, night. right?
0: I mean, you, Austin was out there, but, Shawn Michaels out there, to Austin, The Undertaker. I mean, they were on major magazine covers. They could like, I guess there's 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 not as many opportunities for the like for the layups,
1: right? Like you're yeah. not gonna. It's like
0: just, uh, you know, they could go present at, like the MTV Video Music Awards or something like that, which listen, I don't even know Seth if those Rollins still Seth
1: Rollins and Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch were just at the ESPYS, just gave an yeah. award out. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch were just on First Take. That's the the today's version of a magazine cover or a newspaper headline. Like everybody in the fucking world watches First Take, right? Yeah. Like it's maybe
0: interesting. It I guess I guess you know. You know, to argue against myself, just not, nobody seems that high about anything, with the exception of like, like crazed fans on the internet, which wrestling certainly has. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you're going to go to a, 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 a taping of Monday Night Raw, you don't go without a ticket, right? Everybody knows exactly how many tickets are available, and they all get sold or they don't get sold. But back right. in the day, you people just show up to the arena. You know, and just be like, I hope I could get something from the box office, you know, and be be a mob of people outside trying to get in.
1: I'll be honest, too. The reason why I also think that uh, right now is probably as hot as the attitude has ever been, Uh, and something we probably don't talk about enough, I think the pandemic helped a lot, too, like, in the long term. You know, like, the fact that, yeah, like, the fact that you couldn't see a live show for a long time, but they never stopped. They never stopped. Like, they just kept finding ways to put content out. Like, it built... The, the, well, that was what they, that was the hope at the time. Live. It didn't
0: really feel like it or in their, in the immediate aftermath. I mean, I think it all just comes down to them doing better, having better content.
1: That too. That too. But I, I, I just think that there's, there's, there's outer there's outer circumstances that contribute to why they're doing so well. And I, I just think there's a lot of, you know, it's very easy to just be like, well, there's nobody as famous as Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody's famous as The Rock. I'm like, yeah, well, obviously. But that's only now. Like, only now we look at The Rock and Austin as these, like, unbelievably famous people. But back then, like they were they had a level of fame that's probably comparable to what how famous Roman Reigns is right now, or how famous Becky Lynch is right now. Who's to say in five or ten years they won't be just as into man? Look at John Cena. Nobody, I mean, people saw thought John Cena was gonna be the face of the company, but like did they see him being as omnipresent in pop culture as he is right now? I don't think so. And you could only see that with time. So I mean, I, I just I, I feel like me and you, Dave, we've taken a lot of pop culture so we can kind of, like, properly assess how famous wrestlers are, I, I guess, mm-hmm. in the outside world. Uh, and I just think there's just other circumstances that just didn't fucking exist in the late 90s Well, there's a lot 2000s. more things for people to watch. That's why ratings are down, right? Yeah. I mean, just across
0: the board, not just wrestling. And you could right? watch it when a lot you more want c- to. <laughs> yeah, and there, but there's also just a lot more celebrity. So, like, whereas the bookers for the MTV Video Music Awards might say like, shit, who's going to present this? Who's famous? Oh, I guess this right. wrestler. But like, they, you know, but, and now there's like 9 million folks on TikTok that are just as famous. I mean, it's just harder to break through. But you're right, Thanks. Seth and Becky are out there doing that stuff. And frankly, I mean, no one would have seen that in John Cena. I mean, that's yeah. who, you know, they looked at him as the prototype in OVW and they are like, we don't I don't know what we're going to do with this dude until he started rapping on a tour bus. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, why don't we do that on TV? Same yeah. thing with The Rock, in some sense, where they kind of want everybody to come. You know, I've, I've lamented before that it feels like they want co- everybody to come out of developmental as The Rock, as like a five-tool player or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, when in fact, mm-hmm. you just got to find this stuff. Sometimes you have to fail. Sometimes you need Rocky Via to get yes. to The Rock. Yes. And with John Cena, you needed, you know, Dr. Thugonomics to get to the host of the of Good Morning America or the Today Show or whatever the hell
1: he did. Right. Um right. and I mean shit. Even if, if you even if you reverse it, right? Like, what about the mainstream people that go into WWE? All right. Like the attitude that were who was the biggest, who's the biggest mainstream person to like come into the world? Was it Tyson? Mike Tyson? Had yeah. to be Tyson, right? Yeah. But it wasn't Prime Tyson. This was like Tyson after like some shit went down, right? Like didn't mm-hmm. take away from how you know, important and famous Mike Tyson is, but you're not you weren't having Bad Bunny, the the highest, the most popular artist on the planet, the week he does Coachella doing a wrestling event. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have Logan Paul, who I guess for to comparative sake, uh, he's a talk show host, right? Like he's the 90s version of a talk show host, basically a content creator. You didn't have Regis Philbin having full on matches and 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 feuds and, and even if Regis would was have, young though. enough, he's a mark
0: man. He would if he could have done it. I
1: bet he would have done it.
0: Oh man, that's you did have Jay Leno. You did have Jay
1: Leno doing it in the in WCW. That was true, that was true. but he wasn't hitting he wasn't hitting buckshot lariats. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, Jay Leno was. No. no,
0: they're working not. that southern style. They're working that stiff, slow stuff down there. Um, <laughs> yeah no it's true uh but you know whatever i just think that if you that building that that i'm sure they are i mean clearly they are i think the wwe though needs needs to concentrate on you know putting those putting their promotional machine behind making their current stars their existing stars into crossover stars you know it's like if somebody calls and they're like hey can we get, even if they call and say, hey, can we get Seth and Becky Lynch on first take? They'll be like, no, you have to take Austin Theory or we're never going to call you back. You know, or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, like get somebody else out there. You don't want the Miz for the hundredth time. Don't take the safe route. By the way, yeah. Austin Theory is a guy who we said, talk about a lot. But the problem with him may be that they want, they put him out there and they're like, go be, go be final form John Cena. Go be <laughs> final form Rock, you right. know? Without actually like, maybe he's the sort of dude that needs to get saddled with a bad gimmick for a year before he Oh, he, he hasn't had a bad out. gimmick yet. No, he has, <laughs> you know? but he has not had a ridiculous gimmick. He's had a fail. He's had failed gimmicks. They're not necessarily yeah.
1: bad, you know. I mean, uh, I, yeah, okay, whatever. okay. I mean, Cena shit. Like, I, I went, I went back and watched the old Cena this week. Like, I'm talking about short prototype silver trunks. Didn't even mm-hmm. have the Doctor of Thungodomics entrance music, and like, while well, granted that era of Cena didn't last as long as this current era of Austin Theory. You mentioned it earlier, man. Like, you got to have your Rocky Maivia phase. You got to have your Mm -hmm. fucking big dog phase. Like, you got to have some shit where, especially if they believe in you as much as they do, like, I think so much, so... Every part of any wrestler who's ever been successful has been how they responded to their failures. And, like... Austin getting fired from WCW was the catalyst for his shit. The Rocky my via die, Rocky die shit was the catalyst to his shit. Yeah, the the big dog and suffering, suckatash and all that shit like PG Cena and you know Cena ones we riot like all mm. that shit happens to people. And wh- wh- how long do you
0: think it'll be before we see a new suffering, suckatash like ironic suffering, suckatash T-shirt? Uh, uh- <laughs> What you know all the bloodline? I mean, all the yeah, the bloodline shirts kind of look the same, or at least they yeah. did. Especially at the beginning, it was all that same font, and it was a different like inspirational phrase. They should just totally yeah. do on with suffering succotash. I think Romans
1: Romans Romans so over right now. He could he could flip that now. Like he could probably unironically mention that suffering succotash promo and like mm-hmm. just fucking own it at this point. <laughs> oh man, um, is there
0: anything from Raw that we want to talk about? Mm. we didn't talk about raw i talked about it. i was Ooh, on wednesday Worldwide yesterday we, oh we didn't talk about about dirty dom winning the dirty north dom. american championship we i talked yes, about it yesterday sir. on wednesday worldwide did a special guest appearance there i think i've already said that 10 times um but yeah uh he won he's a title holder it looks like maybe maybe they're finally putting into gear what we've been talking about for what feels like six months mm-hmm. which is the bloodline i mean sorry the the judgment day usurping the bloodline as the faction that matters uh, yes. and taking and just being draped
1: dripped with gold oh yeah
0: pressure's on what Finn
1: now though pressure's on Finn like he's gotta yeah. whatever or happens Damian at Brief? SummerSlam I, that too that too um but yeah I I thought it was a great call for Dom to to get some gold around his waist that uh, despite how much I appreciate Wesley and be, being one of the guys that I, I love watching uh, recently that we don't talk about enough of, um, I think it does does well for Wesley also, right? Like, I yeah, feel I'm like glad this we gets- got
0: that out of the way so that we didn't spend this whole conversation saying, we just don't say enough good things about Wesley. All right,
1: <laughs> right, right. The way right. he dropped
0: the belt to Dom Mysterio. I mean... Like Dom is so crazy over, it and it's the perfect title for him because he can carry yep. it around like it's a world heavyweight championship, and everyone just sort of acknowledges it's not, you know, whatever. Yeah, and apparently, and then, he's
1: a needle mover. NXT had like record ratings for that win too. Did they? I didn't even see they that. They did. They did. So it's like shit. Dom is the most well, hated guy. Also, in the rising
0: tides. You know, this is the new attitude era. So all the ratings are going to start going up. That
1: is true. Um, that is true. Who's
0: the new Stone Cold Steve Austin? If this is the new attitude era, is it Dominic Mysterio?
1: It's gotta be. It might be Tony D'Angelo. We got the crossover I was waiting for on NXT, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, we have, oh my god, well, is that it LA so Knight? Great. Well,
0: it's definitely LA Knight, right? Is LA Knight yeah. on Stone Cold now? Well, god. I mean, he's he is obviously that's where where he's casting himself. By the way, I said this on Wednesday worldwide. Want to get it on the record on the mass Man show? Instead of doing these promos, the promo last week was great. But instead of just like doing this thing where you're holding him off TV, you know what they did with Austin when they weren't sure what to do with him between winning King of the Ring and him actually ascending? He was sitting on color commentary just like every other week. He was mm. always down there on Raw on Raw at ringside. Just put La Knight in the booth, man. Just let him like talk shit about some other wrestlers in the ring that he's not even feuding with um, for for a match. <laughs> CM a week. Punk
1: did it for a while too. Yeah,
0: right? yeah. But it's it's it could be really effective if that's you know. If that's your your real gift. By the way, go back you're watching, I know you're watching a lot of those Adatier Raw's. Uh Stone Cold Steve Austin on the color commentary booth, where he's like he's sort of still he's like picking fights with the wrestlers, but also still kind of always mad at Bret Hart. And yeah, there's <laughs> just it's it, or always and, and and um uh what's his name? Uh, Mark Marrow, who we of course mm. like you know, busted him open at the King of the Ring, and that's all part of the legend, but he was like still feuding with Mark Merrow for like a year and a half after that. And <laughs> it was so strange. Not really a year and a half. Anyway, um
1: still shocked Mark uh, Marrow isn't black, by the way. <laughs> um really? Yeah, Mark Mero is not black. It fucking shocked me. I think I saw him, like a recent tan? photo of him. He, he was just tan as fuck. Like I think him now uh, I think he's just, he's just like a regular looking white dude. I'm like, who is, is this Johnny? This is not Johnny B. Good, bro. Like, I mean, Johnny B. Bad. Like, what the what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, we don't talk, we talk about how like Yokozuna fucking, uh, you know, Japan fished an entire nation and found out that he was really Samoan. But We don't talk nearly enough about how Mark Merrill is just literally a white guy with an L 10.
0: Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> playing
1: hockey in New York. Oh, like my God. That's the whitest of, of dudes. <laughs> I'm shocked. He played a hockey. He had a hell of a tan. <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. Let me look at a picture of Mark Merrill now. That is, oh, my goodness. The mustache. Like, he, he had a freaking. He, he, uh, he had a little Richard. He had a little Richard haircut. D-cat. Like, come on. <laughs> Johnny be bad with a little Richard haircut. <laughs> how was you not black, bro? I was shocked. I was that's, fucking well, That's shocked, great. Yeah. That's great colorblind casting by the WCW developmental team. <laughs> so they looked at
0: him and they were just like, you know, who he reminds me of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like how it's like how um they say future looks like uh what's if it was it future like oh, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh Mark Merrow on
0: March 9th of this year tweeted, To this day, I still meet people that think I'm I was black. Can you blame them, lol? Then again, it doesn't matter whether I was black or white, I was a bad man.
1: Hey, he was. Mm-hmm. He was. That he was the first person I ever see doing shooting star press. That was that was my guy, Mark Merrow. But I was fucking shocked And then
0: back in 2018, he tweeted, I was a little tanned back then, just a white kid from New York being little Richard. What a gimmick. <laughs>
1: Here comes Johnny B. Bad, yo! <laughs> he's just like Little Richard. Oh my, oh my God, God, bro! I, <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was progressive or insensitive. I don't even. I don't know what to feel. I do not know what to feel. It feels like blackface, but not really. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't even know how to feel about it. But I, he was literally one of my favorite wrestlers growing up because I was like, oh shit, they got a black guy on WCW, and he's awesome. And he looks like, and he sings like Little Richard. And I saw him yeah. doing a motivational speech like a couple of years ago. I'm like, that, that, that is not fucking. What? Shocked. Just the white He's still guy, pretty you know? tan. Still pretty tan. Still pretty tan. You, you can't tan to the point of, of, of blackfishing, though. That's, that's, where, <laughs> that's where you Not anymore. a And that's yeah.
0: frankly why wrestling will never be as big as
1: it was in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is a that is how you call back in the podcast um, biz damn it i'd
0: want to close i uh, before i want to say one thing before we get out of here uh it's another it's a it's a sad note um uh i didn't even mention this to you guys sorry for springing on you not but it's this is a pretty personal one uh, uh rick Skye, uh the rick from online onslaught.com passed away this week uh from oh cancer god. he's 49 years old uh he was um when I was in college my freshman year and didn't have wrestling to watch, I read his, his then-website for all the updates. Um, but he wasn't just an aggregator. He wasn't just a you know results poster. He also was a columnist. And and for years, he wrote for his site, OnlineOnSlaught.com, and then was just posting stuff in the Online Onslaught, the Wrestling.com message boards. I mean, it was a running gimmick before it was a podcast thing or, you know, a Bill Simmons thing. And, you know, uh, you know, why why don't you write anymore? People were constantly pestering him to write. And uh, and he would and it would always be great. And I say um, without any like overstatement that like he's the reason why I do what I do. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that like help me get to where I am. The folks on this show, obviously, Bill Simmons, Brian Curtis, Tommy Cracks. There's a lot of people that like gave me opportunities to get here. But to think about wrestling, to write about wrestling, um, dude, it was he was he was just my guy. And uh, you know, it sucks. You know, we've we lost a good one. So, you know, rest in peace, Rick. The Rick. And uh um And fuck cancer, you know? man. Yeah, for real.
1: For real. That's that's unfortunate. Uh prayers and blessings to his family. Um Man, that's tough. That is that is tough, man.
0: Uh anyway, but we can, you know, turn back around and talk more Mark Marrow
1: late now <laughs> or next week, whatever you want uh, to do. Anything need, big we on need SmackDown you want to preview before we get out of here? I mean, it's it's Tribal Chief Fridays. Roman will be in the building. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they take this Roman and Jey Uso uh storyline uh into SummerSlam. Um Excited for that, man. You know, for, uh, uh, what does the stat guy great call it? It's uh, a Friday Oost Theater or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, looking forward Mas- to it. Master
0: Oost Theater. Master Oost Theater. Or Master Oost Theater, yeah, yeah. Uh, we should, we, I just want to take it to your temperature because now I'm going to just do this every week from now until SummerSlam. What are the, what is the, what, what, what do you think the percentage odds of Jey Uso winning the type ti- defeating Roman Reigns and winning the title are
1: as of today. To you, fifteen percent. And it was probably like it was probably like forty percent last week, and it's dropped down to fifteen percent. Brian Kerm, do you guys
0: have? Do you guys want to get in on this? I was thinking
1: ten when you first asked it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not too far off from Cass. Yeah. What about where you I at, think, Dave?
0: Uh, I think 15's probably where i would have landed but just because you said it i'm gonna go 20 uh <laughs> but i think that either of those is still a huge testimony to their testament to what they've accomplished that it's not zero or that's negative true. 50 or something that's true the, the um, less i, I see J- uh
1: jimmy uso the more i the more that number is going to go down though
0: <laughs> I'm like, you think I'm jimmy like, i think th- I, I think that i think we're I think they're going to do something interesting with Jimmy. I hope they're okay. going to do something interesting with Jimmy. They got to. They absolutely have to. Uh, surprising even. Anyway. Um, well, cool. That's the number right. You want to get your plugs in on the way out?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, say hello with Kaz, Loki and Rosie. We are on a little bit of a break right now, so check out some classic episodes with some of your favorite guests over the years. You can catch me on the Bet app, count it, every Monday through Thursday, talking all things hoops, even in the off-season, talking free agent stuff like that. Um, catch me on Peacock, The Ultimate Show, um, and... Every Thursday, uh, I didn't get to plug this last time, I am hosting a new podcast for 2K Sports and WWE Games called Even Stronger. It is behind the scenes on the making of WWE 2K23. We talk with some of the uh, developers, uh, some of the people that went into the making of the game, uh, and we get to talk to some superstars as well about, you know, just being in wrestling video games or wrestling video games in general. is really fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. You can catch it on my Instagram page and uh, on WWE Games' YouTube page and 2K Sports' YouTube page. You can find me here. You can find
0: me on the press box. Be sure to listen to all of the great shows on the Ring of Wrestling show feed, the Masked Man show with Kaz, Cheap Pete, and Wednesday Worldwide, on which I was. Is that grammatically correct? Yesterday. So you can check that out if you're just a strict... David Shoemaker, completist. Um, Thank you, as always, to Babyface producer John Kerma. Uh, Hollywood Brian H. Waters sitting in here, too, today. Uh, Thank you guys for doing this. Thank everyone for listening. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here on Monday, Humanoids. Peace.